Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast with me, Daniel, and I'm joined by... Me, Brother Thomas Therese, comma, OP. Hello, welcome back to another episode. How are you doing, Brother Thomas? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. A little cough. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of that comedy sketch. <laughs> you remember Tommy, Tommy Cooper? He goes to see the doctor. Nah. He goes to see the doctor and he says, the doctor says, what's wrong? He says, oh, I've got a sore throat. He says it's a, it's a little it's a little raw, and he goes, "Oh, okay, give me a sound, give me a cough." And he goes, oh, "Raw." <laughs> it's a little raw. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I'm not really big on on comedies, which is, I mean, people tell me that I'm very funny, but I never really. I mean, I like things like Mrs. Doubtfire and things like that, and Sister Act and stuff, but I never really, I never really watch. I mean, well, no Family Guy, but no, oh, no, I'm I'm not really big into comedy uh, particularly like classical comedy um yeah, I, yeah I'm, Tommy Cooper's I'm very very well known he's Tommy Cooper's very well known he's the one who really. wears the fez and whenever I see the image of him I just think oh gosh here we go yeah this is go, all I need in it this is all it's I lots need of, it's lots of wine one-liners that's his sort of comedy well I'm glad you're well yeah I'm good I'm good and we have a another episode today it's on the creed Ooh. Mm. We thought we thought this episode because uh, the name of the podcast is Light from Light, and it obviously comes from one of the creeds that we have as a statement of faith uh, in, as as Christians. So, yeah, we thought it would be it'd be good actually to go through the creed and talk about what it means generally. Uh, I don't think we'll have enough time to go line well, by line through yeah. any of the creeds, but yeah, Light from Light comes from uh, one of those creeds. So we, we wanted to spend a bit of time on that. So. The creed, uh, in general, is is a basic statement of faith. It's like a, a fundamental belief that we that we profess to as a church. How would you summarize it? How would I summarize what <laughs> the whole creed? I'd summarize it by saying the whole thing. Um, the, the, I mean, another another name that's been used for the creed that you'll find. Um, often in ancient writers is the symbol or the symbol of faith. It's it is something which comes to define the the community to some extent there is something regulatory about it it is something that regulates our faith and becomes a bullock and a standard of orthodoxy um uh, it's a particular articulation of the faith which is designed to avoid misunderstandings and miscommunications um it's not it's not simply just a sort of standardized way of speaking although it can have also that effect it's uh, trying to avoid misunderstandings and misperceptions so very often it's uh, something which is produced by um, or produced in response to misunderstandings from some some quarters uh, about Christian belief so sometimes it's sort of presented as, oh, the church fathers all sort of turn up and they debate about what they believe. And then, you know, the majority prevailing opinion wins. Well, actually, that's that's actually fundamentally not what it is at all. It's not deciding what we believe by um, by democracy. I mean, besides yeah, by common opinion. Yeah. I mean, besides what we might say about ecumenical council sort of generally and God's providence and things like that. Um, actually, it's looking for the most clear way and the most helpful way to articulate what is uh, believed by the faithful 
And of course, Jesus Christ says, you know, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And so over time, more things might be added to a particular creed, usually because there is further clarification that is needed in response to somebody who's got the wrong end of the stick, right? And the people who have got the wrong end of the stick, to call it mildly, the classical name would be a heretic, right? Somebody who uh, has misunderstood or misrepresented standard orthodox Christian belief. And so then we need to find a clearer way of articulating of articulating the orthodox Christian faith or the orthodox belief. And um, yeah, over time, you have this refinement of the language put forward and there may be more challenges to the faith and so a particular creed might then include more things for the sake of clarity for the for the faithful and the word creed can almost symbolize what it means so creed comes from the latin word meaning create well credo meaning i believe so it's it's really a, a summary of uh, or a succinct statement of faith that the believers would would state and it's yeah. something that we, you find in the old testament as as well you you have this sort of collective statement of of faith in you know one form or another you think of like uh, the sh the shema that's given it's sort of a statement of of faith that's given in the old testament uh, it's it's almost like the 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 common unity that they share between them but then there's also this this aspect of the individual who who's, who's saying yes i believe in this so this is why we say i believe and and when we say the the creed it, i i think you were saying to me before that it it can be quite uh, confusion uh, confusing to uh, to other people because when we say the the creed we really mean more than one creed but we mean one faith so how have there's lots of different creeds but there's one faith yeah i mean you you have um you have in patristic times, lots of different saints coming up with their own sort of formulation of a creed for catechetical purposes to teach the faithful the fundamental basic articles of faith which are to be held definitively by the people of God. I think, I mean, I could be mistaken in this. This is something I'm going to have to go away and check. But I think actually the creed might have been one of those things that actually you were introduced to in the sort of mystagogical phase uh, after you've received the sacraments as a way of... Um, I, I could be wrong about that, actually. So so maybe I shouldn't go any further with what I was about to say. No, well, I, th I think just, to, just on that point, I mean, the substance of the creed is found in one of the professions made by a person at baptism. Yeah. We certainly have that in the early age of the church. I can think of, um, what's, what's his name, St. Hippolytus. He's around. Mm. Hippolytus, sorry, yeah. St. Hippolytus. He's an early example of that. You have the person responding to three questions, which is uh, reflected in, in the creed. Mm -hmm. So we have in the Apostles' Creed, it's it's almost split into three parts because it deals with the three persons of, of God. So you have, you have the Father, the Son, and the, and the Holy Spirit. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly in those early 200s, we find examples of this early work of St. Hippolytus. 
Hippolytus. <laughs> Hippolytus. I got it wrong again. <laughs> you, men- you mentioned the, uh, the Shema earlier as well uh, as an example of, of, um, uh, of, an, of mm. an expression of, of, of a creedal statement that you find in, in the Old Testament, which comes from Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 5. Just in case people listening don't know what the Shema is, it's that part of Deuteronomy uh, that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And this is something which uh, people had to take to heart. Um, Now, actually, one of my Jewish friends, I remember going around to their home and they had a little box above the door. And when they'd walk through the store, they'd touch this this little box. And uh, I I forget what they did tell me the name, actually, at the time. Um, And they said inside there is kept the Shema, uh, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and and part of this is about meditating on the on the law day and night, and that being the sort of the, the cornerstone of faith, really, the the cornerstone of of the religion, really. Don't they they call it to mind every day? I think either the morning or evening yes. uh, yeah. prayer. They yeah. they call it to mind. Um, just mm. just on the point of of we mentioned there about the that profession of faith being used or the substance of the creed being found in in the early years of the church it's also found in our baptismal rite if you think of adults who are baptized they make a profession of faith by responding to the questions which are centered on the three persons of god so certainly at the easter vigil you you see this when adults are baptized there is this uh, this call and response this question and answer so the, those who are about to be baptized are professing that faith. So that's one way we see the creed present in our, in the faith. But in in terms of the the creed, the mo- the two most prominent ones, and you're going to have to help me with the name of one of them. But the the two most prominent ones that we find we find them often in, uh, used in the mass: the Apostles' Creed yep. and the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. <laughs> that's a mouthful, isn't it? That, that, it's named after two after two early councils of the church, as you know, the Council of Nicaea and the, uh, and uh, one of the councils of Constantinople. Just on the Apostles' Creed, I don't know if you've had this tradition that so it's it's attributed to the Apostles, which is why it's called the Apostles' Creed. And the the ancient tradition is that on the day of Pentecost, the Apostles gathered together to compose this this creed, the statement of faith, uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And when you look at the Apostles' Creed, you find the twelve. Uh, it's, it can almost be split into 12 parts, 12 articles of faith. And the tradition is that each apostle wrote one of these 12 articles. Um, obviously, not counting Judas, it would be uh, St. Matthias who replaced, yeah, replaced Matthias. Judas. I mean, whether that is, whether that is, uh, whether it's actually the apostles yeah, who actually wrote know. that, it, or, yeah. or whether it's handed on to them, it's, it certainly has its roots in the teachings of the apostles. I mean, people like St. Ambrose will say they wrote it. Well, you find it all, You find it in Scripture, right? You find it in Scripture. So, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Uh, that's that's obviously uh, in Scripture. I mean, you, you could say it's a reference to the Shema. You could say it's a reference to Matthew uh, 5, I think, some, somewhere in Matthew 5. Uh, creator of heaven and earth, that's clearly a reference to Genesis 1. Jesus Christ is only Son, our Lord, Matthew 3, who is conceived of the Holy Spirit, Luke 1. Born of the Virgin Mary, uh, you find that, I think, in Luke 2. 
summoned under Pontius Pilate, you find that in, in all the Gospels. Was crucified, died, and was buried, you find that in all the Gospels. Descended into hell, you'll find that in 1 Peter. Rose again on the third day, you know, yeah, rose again on the third day, you, you find that in all of the Gospels. Ascended into heaven, you'll find that in Luke uh, and Acts of the Apostles, I think. Uh, seated at the right hand of God the Father. Hebrews, or actually maybe also the Acts of the Apostles when Stephen is martyred and he sees Christ at the right hand of the Father. God is called uh, the Father, of course, in in the Our Father. He shall come again. Of course, that's that's in the in the Gospels to judge the living and the dead. I think you'll find that in one Corinthians and elsewhere. You know, the Holy Spirit you'll find in Acts uh, as well as elsewhere, of course. Yeah. So I mean, all, all of these things. I think that that's one of the important things to remember about the creed, uh, the various creeds, is that they're not just people sort of coming up with like random stuff. You know. Uh, all of them are rooted in scripture that and and the scriptures of course go right the way back to the beginning of the church so it's not that all of a sudden we got to you know 325 in the council of nicaea and then we decided what we believed it's a load of nonsense it's right there right from the beginning that it's based on truth that you find in scripture you ever mentioned about ephesians and paul mentions in ephesians about something that mirrors this or resembles this creed or faith yeah well if you look at the nicene constantinopolitan creed you'll have you know i believe in one god and then later you have you know jesus called one lord and then we have this thing about one baptism i believe in one baptism well you do find this parallel in ephesians 4 if you look at ephesians 4 i think it's 4 to 5 you'll see you know one body one spirit one hope one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all and you see this in the in the in the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed, the creed that we say at Mass on Sunday, you find this parallel in Paul's letters to the Ephesians: one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Of course, it's not all phrased like that, but of course, when we say the creed at Mass, we say it all together, don't we? We say it as one body, and we say it in one spirit. And we say it in one hope of what is to come. At the end of the of the creed that we say at Mass, we say that I look forward to the resurrection of the dead. That's hope. That's our one hope. It's our expectation. We're going to be united with God for all eternity. You know, we profess one Lord explicitly in, in, the, in the creed. Um, we are professing our one faith, that we are united in one faith. In a, so even though we're not saying this is the one faith, we're professing the one faith when we when we pray the creed or when we sing the creed. And we we say explicitly, we recognize one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. There's one God and Father of all. So, yeah, I, and Mozart actually said that the creed, he said that the creed was so beautiful that it should only ever be sung. Uh, I can imagine some some people would, would find that horrifying because it's quite long anyway, and then to sing it becomes even longer. So just to, just to add to that, Dorothy Sayers says that the creed is one of the greatest dramas that was ever staged in history. So, I mean, the creeds came about because they were really interested in the question, who do you think Christ is or what do you think Christ is? Who is this Christ? And then obviously the, 
when you think of how the creeds came about with the councils, they're responding to these questions and wrestling over who Christ is. What? No, 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 no. I think that's the fundamental, sorry, I, <laughs> I think that's the fundamentally misunderstand it. It's not that 300 years after Christ, people were sat around thinking, hmm, who is Christ? They already knew who Christ was. They were articulating what they already believed. Whereas I think if, if we say something like, oh, we're asking questions like, who is Christ? And then it sounds like that we're sort of deciding much, much later after the effect, the church is then deciding what it believes about Jesus. But actually, no, it's believed these things about Jesus from the beginning. Yeah, but I think that's what you, you see in the Apostles' Creed. I mean, the tradition is that it, it goes back to the beginning and they were they were imminently interested in preserving this faith that's ha been handed on to them by the yeah. person of Christ. How do we articulate it most yeah. faithfully? Uh, that's the, that's the question to avoid confusion. So of course, of course, you have in around three two five with the Nicene Creed, then later with the Council of Constantinople, you have these questions that are, are being asked, and there be and there's obviously teachings that are wrong. But that stretches back even to the time of Christ. People were wrestling with who Christ mm -hmm. is. So I think that question is is a perennial question, and the creed didn't. I mean, the creed didn't, didn't just come together in 325 or in 381 it didn't just come together and i think that's dorothy sayer's point is that it's the greatest drama that has been unraveling over these centuries and then we find that the the creed has come together through the the holy spirit working through the church but i think that's the point it's this perennial question you know who and who do you say that i am as christ says to his uh, says to the apostles i remember when and then peter has that great sort of maybe initial sort of credo moment you are christ you are the son of the living god you know that that proclamation uh, from peter that what we would call an initial charisma you know that proclamation that initial preaching of the gospel in a sort of nutshell form you are the christ you are the son of the living god yeah, but how does Jesus respond to that? He says, the Father has revealed this to you. Not flesh and blood, yeah. Not flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. Exactly. And and the creed is, is attesting to that. The, faith, the creed is mm. the faith of the church, which has been received, preserved and guarded and then handed on, which is, which is, the, is the point. It stretches back to, mm. back to God himself because he reveals who he is and then the, the apostles, they preserve this teaching, they guard it against errors because ultimately the creed is supposed to bring us to God himself. Um, Scott Hahn has this, this wonderful thing. He, he has this book on the creed, uh, but he, he calls on the catechism. So he's, he's not relying just on his own thoughts about this, but he says that we don't believe in formulas, mm. but we believe in realities yes. that those formulas express. So our faith and, and what the, the creed expresses clings to God himself. So the creed is meant to draw us to a, to a person. Well, also into, into the divine reality. I mean, the beginning of the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed in Latin is credo in unum deum. I believe, it's not just I believe in one God, it's I believe into one God, that through our faith, uh, we enter into this divine life, this 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 
the mystery of the interplay of love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're caught up in those things uh, by our faith. So yeah, I, and I, in that sense, I would completely agree with Dorothy Sayers that we're drawn up into this great adventure, in, into this great mystery. Um, and yeah, no, I, I would agree with with Dr. Hahn. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree yeah. with Scott Hahn on, on all of that stuff. Maybe I was thinking actually that it might be that actually some of our listeners have never actually heard the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. So I wonder maybe maybe should we should we read it out so that way people people know exactly what it is that we're talking about? Because I just realized as well, talking about it like not just the Nicene Creed, but Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed, that people also might not know how to spell that on Google to look it up. Should we should we circle round and have that at the end? We can finish the episode with with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So keep listening, and then at the end you'll find out what we've been talking about this whole time. <laughs> do, do you know what? That's what that's what a lot of uh, YouTubers and podcasts. Like no, no, a lot of YouTubers and, and podcasters are, are like here's here's a, a snippet of what you're going to get later. So. Hang on in there throughout the episode to get to get the creed. Well, I remember our, <laughs> our, our episode on um, Christmas and in, in the Gospel of John. I remember thinking that the last like five minutes or so was was absolutely great. I thought it I thought it was wonderful, and then I remember thinking mm, we're sort of relying on people to listen for half an hour to, to get to it. <laughs> I mean, the, the rest I'm sure I'm sure is good too. But I just, I I really liked the ending. I thought the ending was really was really fun. Let's take that snippet and publish that snippet. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. What else are we going to say? What else do we want to add? I mean, there's so much that could be said about the creed. I think it's such a, a fundamental a fundamental point of our, our faith. Because there's another thing which Dorothy says, says that you know when we when we actually recite the creed. I mean, certainly for me, when I was when I was younger, it was I found it very very dull. I found it to be like it's it's mechanical. I think that she actually calls it yeah. that. That when we recite it, it becomes mechanical. When is it that people actually sit down and actually think about what they're saying and what it means? You know, I think that's the point. When when it it comes alive when you hear. You know the great stories. I know there are stories told of like martyrs when they're when they're being killed, and they they still profess their faith in Jesus at the yeah. point of when they're being killed, and they like they pen or they draw the word credo into the sand or the mud or. Oh, stop it! I was just about to say. Yeah. So there's a Dominican saint. There's a Dominican saint called uh, Saint Peter Martyr, and uh, he he's yeah he he's the first Dominican martyr. Actually, the person who killed him actually later became a Dominican himself, and also is now. Uh, Carino, uh, I don't, I forget if Carino is a blessed or a saint. I forget. But anyway, uh, Peter Martyr, as he was being killed, he wrote in blood. I, th- I think it was Credo and Unum Deum. I believe in one God, but I could be wrong. It could have just been Credo. But nevertheless, he wrote that in his in his blood. It's the start of the creed. That's a really good expression of the point we're trying to make. There is that there's this objective and obs- and subjective part of the creed. So we say, I believe. We're 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 saying that from the from the subjective but we believe in the objective we believe in in the truth of who who god is and there's something sort of personal about it as well you know i believe in one god yeah that's subjective yeah yeah. but i i mean i remember growing up and you probably do too when we used to say we believe in one god and I, i i think there's something true in both of those things Yes, it's important, you know, I believe that it's important to have that personal conviction in these things. But also, I am because we are, we're one body, we're one body. So also saying we believe 
is also, uh, I think, also true and says something about nature of the church and how we are and how we relate to each other and things. So, yeah, no, it's 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 good. And that personal aspect, you know, not just I believe in one God, but then when you get to, you know, the Father Almighty, Father. Now, these things, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, a lot of people just say, oh, well, of course, it remembers Genesis and it calls us back to the beginning. And of course, that's true, especially when you remember that it says maker of heaven and earth and all things visible and invisible. Yes, it draws us back to Genesis. But more than that, it's explicitly Christian. And it reminds us of, of the Our Father. To call God Father. We can call God Father like Jesus did by virtue of our baptism that we become adopted sons and daughters of God by virtue of our baptism. And so, yeah, we're not begotten of the Father like Jesus like Jesus is, but we are adopted children of God. And if children of God, then heirs. And we can call God then Father. We have a personal relationship with God. That is, is key. And if God is your Father, of course, Christ is your brother, and if Christ is your brother, then then you're heirs. And so then again, you have this personal relationship to uh, Jesus Christ, who is who is God, who is who is divine. Yeah, wonderful. I wanted to tell you a funny quote which Dorothy Sayers had. So when I was well, it's not funny in and of itself, but when I was reading it, I was I was laughing because mm. well, see see if you could realize it's something we mentioned we mentioned quite a lot. So she says. She's talking about the drama of the creed itself. So the people who hanged Jesus never accused him of being a bore. On the contrary, they thought him too dynamic to be safe. To those who knew him, he in no way suggested to be a milk and water person. Oh, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> milk and water. Dan with his tea. Dan, Dan's tea is basically milk. I mean, that's basically with tea. <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan has milk with his tea rather than tea with... No, hang on. No, I got that the wrong way around. Dan has tea with his milk rather than milk with his tea. He basically has a pint of milk and he sort of throws the tea bag over the top of his warm... Over the top of his warm milk. I think I think we said before, threaten the milk with the tea bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Waft the tea bag near it. <laughs> oh, that's but I thought that was quite funny, yeah. But I mean it is it it's very true. I mean Jesus is very dynamic, you know, Jesus does give you a, a, a choice. I mean he was he was killed for a reason, you know, he was killed for being dangerous. People objected to him because he was mm. he was dangerous in in a sense. So there's something um there's something really important about about the creed for us as individuals when we when we recite it. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, one more point, and maybe then we can we can go through the the creed. You can read it for our listeners. But you said earlier, when Christ established the church, he promised to guide it into all truth. Mm. And the the way the church mm -hmm. has formulated uh, this in one way is is through the creed, is is through its teachings. So when we recite the creed. We're standing with those first bishops, with the apostles. We're standing with the long, you know, long line of the church, the history of the church, and and we say it as as one, and we also say it, uh, we say it in unison with mm. them, but we also say it as individuals. So, I think one really important thing that we can do is just spend time with the creed, praying for it, reading it, um, even committing it to mm. to memory, as many many saints have done through the years. Yeah. And to, to speak it uh, with thought behind each word and each article of faith that's included in it, I think is, can be really fruitful for, mm. for our own spiritual life. And it can, it, in a way, it can form us. I think that's something which 
Scott Hahn says that actually it forms us, it changes us as we recite it. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like we we are allowing ourselves to be trusted to God through the creed, if that if we can phrase it like that. I, I you can also I, I think another thing that that might be quite useful is if you could actually print it off. You know, if you like if you copy and paste it into Microsoft Word, double space it and sort of write your own commentary on the creed underneath. You know, take it as a point of meditation as part of your as part of your prayer life each day for i don't know let's say nine days you could do a novena of preaching of, of praying the creed and sort of each day take a small part of the creed and write a short paragraph on it reflecting on what does this mean there's if you want to learn more about the creed i'm sure there are resources on on youtube probably with um, places like word on fire uh, i know that bishop Barron has released a sort of study study uh, group of videos on the creed but he's also released a book <laughs> what's he called the book i think he's called it light from light <laughs> i'm not saying it's because he listens to the podcast but uh, well I, i'm saying that maybe 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 the there have been a couple of funny times haven't there where we've recorded an episode and then like just before it's about to go up bishop Barron's like bishop Barron has released a video or something that's that's similar. I think he's got the inside loop somehow. Someone's someone's tipping him off on the inside. Yeah. He probably records before us. To be fair, he probably records months in advance. Anyway, he. I, I, but yeah, no. There's there's a book as well, um, which is I think about twenty pounds. You might be able to find it slightly cheaper on Amazon yeah. called Light from Light, uh, and it's uh, a theological reflection on the creed. It's it is it is fairly involved. Um, uh, you see, I'm I'm not always the best person to ask when it comes to, you know, is something easy mm. to understand. Yeah, um, I can I can attest to that. The book I gave you on the resurrection, you mean? <laughs> yeah, I didn't the, understand that. That book was years either. ago. One of the first books yeah. you gave me. I mean, you you recommended two books. I think you gave me two books. It was The Lamb Supper by Scott Hahn, and then a oh, that's very accessible. Yeah, I know that's accessible. And then a book on yeah. the I think on Easter or the resurrection. The resurrection, which yeah. Uh, by Gerald O'Connor. Yeah, or something. I but I would I would just throw in the recommendation by well from a recommendation of a book by Scott Hahn called The Creed. I think that's that's oh, a very good one. I didn't realize he'd written one on the Yeah, Creed. yeah. That's a very good one. That would that would definitely be accessible, won't it? Yeah, yeah and I, and I would also add in a, another one. I mean it's not on the Creed itself, but it's on the fundamentals of faith by Peter Kreeft. It's yeah. it's almost it's a summary of the, the Catholic faith, but there's some really good parts of of that and he actually goes through he goes through the creed um as part of that book um and, and one of the things he, he says about the creed just to add this is that he says the creed is important because it tells us of our destiny and our destination which is ultimately god our destination is god and the creed tells us of the nature of god so it tells us what you know where we're going you know it's it's, it's it, yeah it's something that we, we would not be aware that we're made for heaven with God. We need divine revelation for that. We're made mm. for union and the resurrection and of, of the dead. You know, yeah. right at the end of the creed, you know, I, I always find it really fascinating that it's, you know, I look forward to the resurrection of the yeah. dead. You know, there's a certain sort of expectation of the fulfillment of the promises of Christ to his people, you know, a sort of a hope and a sort of, um, you know, holding god to his to his promises you know uh yeah. a reminding a reminding of god in in hope 
of the great things that that uh, he has promised to us. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, because then we'll see God as he is. We'll see him face to face. He'll wipe away every tear from our eye. We'll come to know him as he is, and we'll be reconciled to him and to each other uh, in eternal bliss for all eternity. And, we, uh, and as you said, I believe into one God. We, we I believe will into share one God. life with God, mm. be partakers of well, life. Well, we already with God. do to some extent. Mm. You know, it's not. It's not. It's not solely eschatologically manifested it's not solely manifested at the end of time there is something that we do share in now uh through the sacraments you know by baptism uh by the eucharist uh by faith actually another important thing actually to say about the nicene creed um one of the because it's so old is actually it's something that unites a lot of christians who are divided by other issues so the nicene constantinopolitan creed unites us to the orthodox and to many uh many of our protestant uh friends actually there is a caveat to that of course um that in in our creed we'll say spirit proceeds from the father and the son so that is a dividing line between us uh uh catholics and the and the orthodox but generally, I mean, ap- ap- apart from that, I-, I think we completely agree on the on the creed. So there's a lot of unifying, yeah, unifying features. Anyway, we should probably finish the episode. So do you want to do you want to pray the creed or shall I? Yeah, I'll ask you to to pray it. But just to say to our listeners, please, please uh, share the episode with others. You think it'd be useful or um, beneficial for other people. And please subscribe as well to the podcast. We'll be back next week. Please, Brother Thomas, please pray the creed for our for us i believe in one god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth of all things visible and invisible i believe in one lord jesus christ the only begotten son of god born of the father before all ages god from god light from light true god from true god begotten not made consubstantial with the father through him all things were made For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.